you have been present with Phil through many years now and that your presence has done many good things. Uh, we pray that this morning as he shares from your word and from his heart, Lord, we may become more powerful hosts of your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now then. I'm kind of looking around furtively to see whether anything's going, something's going to happen before I get too into what I'm doing. Um, let me uh, give a big shout out to the tech team. Oh, man, we'll have to wait till later. I was in the middle of giving a big shout out to the tech team over there, Matt and Martin, who Matt's doing his first first day out on the PA desk, and he tells me he's got a qualification. Whoa. He's been keeping that well hidden. <laughs> ah, there we go. Good stuff. We love it. We love it. The the whole of the lighthouse just requires people to volunteer and to help out with all the little jobs that they're doing and it's such an encouragement when people come forward and say yeah i'll do that i could do that so have a think anyway um we're looking at the presence of god and uh the the theme the cultural theme is valuing the presence of god um that we originally wrote down probably six or seven years ago and um you know everything that we do, it, it's like coming to a place that says, apart from God, we can do absolutely nothing. It's like, uh, you know, we, are, we completely rely on him for everything that he has initiated in our lives. There's certain things and gifts and abilities which he will bless and he will move upon, but without him, they're empty. You know, and, it, and ha things have, have no purpose whatsoever. And so we take a month, and it's, uh, Heather said, the first one in the years. This is her teaching background, starting to come back to the forefront again. The acad new academic year um, is uh, we like to sort of take a month just to remind ourselves. And uh, the, for me, this is, this is not a difficult subject to speak on because it, like the whole of my life rotates around this uh, my yearning and my desire to experience the tangible manifest presence and glory of God is what I live for it, it's like that without that nothing has meaning and uh, it's kind of the reality of who we believe he is uh, we can have a set of beliefs, and, and that's good, and we can have a code by which we live. But unless we experience him, unless we know him, unless there is some kind of intimacy, then the whole thing seems a bit kind of hollow, doesn't it? And so we really like to focus on that and uh, to just come back to that place because we can get very busy in the program of everything that we do. Uh, not, not the church, but life, the program of life. You go here, you do this, you go to work, you come home, you eat your dinner. You, you know, it, like these things march on, doesn't it? These Septembers, putting up that marquee comes around all too quickly for me. These years are going very, very fast. 
and we can get very busy. Um, and we need to just take a step back and breathe and just say, it's all about the presence of God. It's all about him. Uh, it's him that we worship. It's him that we want to get close to. It's him we want to hear his voice. We want to know him and experience him. So we're going to have a focus on it. Um, you know, at this precise moment, I, I can't help, part of who I am is uh, sort of understanding prophetically the times and seasons that we're living in at the moment. And uh, that was prophesied over me right at the beginning by Jonathan David. He said, you'll be like the sons of Issachar who, who know what Israel should do in the season. And it is something that I'm constantly looking at and you know, with all the turmoil and the change and the insecurity and, uh, oh man, it's odd, isn't it? We are living in the oddest times I can remember uh, with governments and with, uh, you know, uh, physical challenges. We're, it, I, it is one of the most challenging times I can remember for a while uh, with kind of some illness and, you know, the th finances, the things that he's very very clearly told us to do you know how you move forward in those things and all of that sort of stuff and you know we want to see salvation we want to demonstrate the goodness of God to the nation around us and uh, and we want to see the power of God released and but the circumstances themselves seem to be kind of shouting rather loudly at us that it's uh, who do you think you are you know it's like uh, it is a kind of really really I'm difficult time and I will be the first one to admit I'm I'm not finding this season the easiest uh, of my life and but what I'm doing out of it is kind of looking more and more to God I have realized now I've realized that the answer to the things that I'm facing are not in my own abilities thank God for every ability that he's given me but the answer to the things I'm facing are not in those abilities. It's not in my ability to work harder, longer, smarter, whatever. It's him. It's him. That's where the answer is. And I feel like for me personally, he has led me into a set of circumstances whereby in virtually all of them, there is no escape other than him other than encountering his presence, other than hearing his voice, other than seeing faith activated and the supernatural power of God released amongst us. And uh, it is not by chance. It's not a mistake. It is, he has led us to this time, and I believe exactly the same for our nation. Okay, I can't see a sensible way through some of the things that are happening other than a move of God happening in our nation. And that's what I'm praying for, and that's what I'm pulling on heaven for. So the answer of God, the answer to many of these things, healing, finances, salvation, deliverance, you know, all of these things, actually lie in encountering his presence. And so I want us to just have a little look at that today, the presence of God, the glory of God, and kind of what those different things mean, what they are, and to remind ourselves, because sometimes I think we can, we can uh, get to a stage of life where we can manage without them, because actually we're kind of quite capable, and we can keep turning the handle on life, and we can get by without them. Uh, but I really feel like Holy Spirit is beginning to maneuver us and direct us and push us into a place whereby... <coughs> we see some of these things released. So 
you know, when I say the answer is in his presence, I mean, th- there's so many examples in the Bible of um, how the presence of God actually just does stuff, you know, without prayer, without people praying, without anything. Just the presence of God does stuff. Uh, for example, with finances, there's that story in Second in Samuel 11 where it says the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his household. And when David was told, King David, saying the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because the ark is there. I mean, physically, the ark being in his house, he didn't vote for it. He didn't seek after it. It was just like left there. But in the three months it was there, the Lord blessed him, his household, and all that he had. It was just physically the presence being there. Uh, there's, you know, the examples of Israel going through the wilderness, uh, which you, you can read about all over the place, it, it, you know, obviously in the account of it, but then it is recounted time and time again. Psalm 105, Deuteronomy 8, Deuteronomy 29. It says, the presence of God went with Israel through the wilderness. Pillar of fire, pillar, pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day. And it was like their own private atmosphere. You know, if you think about it, it's kind of pretty cold out in the wilderness. And the pillar of fire comes by night to give them light, to give them warmth, to keep wild animals away and all of that sort of stuff. I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought about it from that point of view, but, and in the day, the wilderness can get a pretty hot place. So, hey, it comes as a cloud. That's rather convenient, isn't it, Uh, to be able to bring that. But also it says, as they went through the wilderness and as they came out of the wilderness, there was none sick or feeble amongst them. And... Their clothes didn't wear out for the whole 40 years. Now, if you're wandering around in the wilderness, not so good, the ladies say. They need a bit of change. They don't want the same, don't want the same clothes for 40 years. There's a few blokes in here who are still wearing the same clothes from 40 years ago. Ian Burton, where are you? No. But, um, no, but it, w- it was a supernatural result of the presence of God being with them. Things happened. You know, sickness was kept at bay. Now, let's just kind of back this up with a more modern-day story. I I was uh, reading through the biography of uh, John G. Lake, who is just an amazing hero, Canadian guy who who went to live in America. And, you know, I think things were triggered off when his wife got really ill with TB, I think, and she was basically told it's terminal. Uh, take her up north where it's going to be better. It's going to be, make her more comfortable. But he, you know, he he wasn't happy with that. And interestingly, John G. Lake was an incredibly successful businessman. He was really rich. He was a trader. And he kind of uh, worked in the business world and had a lot of contact in New York and all over the place and had a lot of money that he'd put aside. But he came to God in that place with his wife with a, with a sort of terminal illness diagnosed over her. And he said, God, if you will fill me with your spirit, I will just turn everything over to you. I will, I'll do whatever you want. It, it's just, 
you know, I need to encounter your presence like they did in the Acts of the Apostles. And, and at that moment, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and his whole body was like shaking and he, he, he describes how electricity went through him and, uh, and he got up and he prayed for his wife and she was instantly healed. And it, and it began a journey for him which was just extraordinary, just extraordinary. He, he, he sold all of his businesses, which I'm not so sure the Lord's saying that these days. Um, but he sold everything and gave away every single penny he had and went on the road with nothing. Having been effectively a multimillionaire, he went out with nothing, just choosing to trust in God to provide every single thing that he needed to go on a journey. Anyway, this is an account from when he and a team went over to Africa. They heard that there was an outbreak of African fever, bubonic plague, um, that broke out. This is, and the time period, 1910, we're talking about, so, you know, about 100 years ago or so. Uh, but he, he, he wants to respond to what's happening because he's got this amazing gift. He's seeing the healing move of God and he just wants to go and respond to it. And he goes over, he takes a team, they miraculously get the money and it get on the boat and take about six months to get over there and all of that stuff that was happening in those days. Um, but they get there and they literally just serve. They just serve. The team start going into homes, pulling out the dead uh, from bubonic plague, burying them praying for the sick, seeing some of them getting healed. They get, they get in it. They get in it. Now, this is a little account because you think, that sounds a bit dangerous to me. Bubonic plague is one of those highly contagious, transmittable Ebola. diseases. Yeah. Ebola in these days, maybe. Yes. Yeah, so this is an account that was written. During that great plague, um, they sent a government ship with supplies and a corps of doctors and one of the doctors sent for me and said, Why have you been, what have you been using to protect yourself? Our corps has uh, preventatives that we use as a protection. Uh, but we concluded that if a man could stay on the ground as you have and keep ministering to the sick and burying the dead, you must have a secret. What is it? I answered, Brother, it is the law of the spirit of life of Christ Jesus. I believe that if I keep my soul in contact with the living God so that his spirit is flowing into my soul and body, no germ will ever attach itself to me, for the spirit of God will kill it. He asked, don't you think you had uh, better use our preventatives? That's kind of the scientific brain, isn't it? Saying, look, okay, that's very nice, well done, but why don't you use the rubber gloves, you know, and, and get the face mask on? And I replied, no, but doctor, I think you would like to experiment with me. If you will go over to one of these dead people and take the foam that comes out of their lungs after death and then put it under the microscope, you will see the masses of living germs. You will find that they are alive until a reasonable time after the man is dead. You can fill my hand with them and keep them under the microscope. And instead of these germs remaining alive, they will die instantly. They tried it and found it was true. And they questioned, what is that? Um, a bit like manna, isn't it? What is it? What is that? I replied, that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When a man's spirit and body are filled with the blessed presence of God, 
it oozes out of the pores of your flesh and kills the germs. Come on, come on. You know, I, th- these stories, they just provoke me. They just provoke me. I just think these things are possible, okay? Now, I haven't tasted them. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the, the physical presence of God healing someone like that. It's in the Bible, though, isn't it? That, you know, when Paul, uh, after the uh, day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out and they were filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit and they rushed out onto the streets and began to prophesy and preach and people started turning to Christ. Well, the anointing and the power of God became so powerful in them that you know, people were bringing the dead to lay them on the side of the road, hoping that Peter's shadow may pass over the top of them and they would get healed. I mean, that sort of stuff was going on. There was no praying, there was no counselling, there was no kind of boring the demons to death by talk, you know, talking them for five hours. It was like, it happened. And uh, Paul used to take handkerchiefs or aprons, doesn't it, it says, and he would kind of do something to them. He would rub them, put the anointing on them, send them off to sick people. And it says that demons came out of people when they came in contact. We are talking about something manifest, something that is tangible, something that can be transferred like from one person. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it myself. I haven't, I haven't, I've heard about it and I want it. And I think that's, you know, whenever I see these things in the Bible, I don't think, oh, well, times have changed now. You know, I immediately say, well, God's the same yesterday, today and forever. You know, he's like, he doesn't change. We change in, in, the, in the way we think and the things that we do and the things that we rely on. He doesn't change. So if he manifested his presence in this tangible, palpable way so that you could almost take a handful of it and kind of put it on someone, then he, he could still do it. He could still do it today, and I believe he wants to. So the glory or the presence of God can be a tangible thing. Right, so 2 Chronicles 5.13, familiar uh, verse, I'll just read it out to remind you. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one, to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, his mercy endures forever, that the house... The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. Now, I just, you know, doing a little bit of study into the cloud, you know, this, this cloud or the glory, and the word for this is kabod, um, and it is, it, it, it's a word which we, use, we translate glory, the glory of the Lord has filled the temple. And, it, and it's speaking about that cloud. Now, it's that same thing with the pillar of the cloud and the pillar of the fire. It appears as something tangible. And I think it's the same thing that appeared on the day of Pentecost when tongues of fire appeared above their heads. It was kind of something tangible got released in that time. 
And uh, Kabbalah, if you, if you look at it, if you go into a strong thing and begin to delve in, you can see it's got two kind of very distinct and different meanings. So one is the weighty presence of God, it is, and that's the kind of tangible type thing. But then there's all of these other things associated with it. For example, uh, glory, honor, glorious, gloriously. Uh, I mean, it's used over 200 times glory in the in the in the bible um abundance riches honor splendor dignity reputation reverence and the fame of god so we've got these two different sides of it one of it one of it is kind of something tangible and that's like the cloud where people could not minister because the cloud was in there now what does that mean does that mean they just couldn't see or were they overwhelmed by it um we don't know for sure, do we? Because it just says they couldn't minister. They had to stop ministering. Um, we, there was some uh, famous kind of things where that happened in Azusa Street, wasn't there? Um, when was Azusa Street? Was that like the 50s? Earlier? 1905, something like that, wasn't it? So that was probably around about the, yeah, it was the same time as the Welsh Revival. It was slightly afterwards, wasn't it? So probably, so probably around about the same time as John G. Lake, actually, around about 1910. Um, anyway, it, those stories have come out of that revival where people were getting dramatically healed by coming in contact with a cloud that filled the room. And the cloud was so tangible that the kids used to kind of just play on the floor and they would try and capture the cloud in jars and put a lid on and kind of trying, it was like they were just joyful and playing in the presence. You know, I want this. I want it. I want it in this place. And I want to see the tangible presence of God that releases some of these things that we've been talking about. Where is the glory? Where is the glory? So that's my preamble. Okay. I'm, uh, what I want to look at today, I... Whenever I talk about the presence of God, I keep coming back to Exodus 33 uh, because I think it's got some incredible keys in it. Um, the one thing that I do know, and we'll look into this in a, in a little bit more detail, but God wants us to seek him. Okay, It's an active thing. It's, it's not just a, a passive, let's wait around and see if something happens. I think... Seeking God, again, is mentioned over 200 times just in the Old Testament. And, you know, Isaiah 55, verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. What is all this about? What is seeking the Lord all about? Let's have a look at some of this story. I'm going to pull a few points out of the Exodus 33. Uh, if you've got a Bible, turn to it. If you haven't, just pin back your lug holes. Exodus 33.1. So the context of this story is actually Moses has been up the mountain, right? And for 40 days has been in the glory of God. Cloud, lightnings, thunder, stuff going on. And he's received the tablets of stone with the commandments on that God's written on. And, and also, I believe, kind of a lot more than... He's revealed uh, a lot more stuff to Moses while he's been up there. And Moses comes down and he finds the place in total shambles. In the 40 days that he's been gone, you know, everyone has 
sunk to the lowest common denominator. <laughs> they have, uh, you know, persuaded Aaron to take all their jewellery and to make a golden calf and kind of make something and, and, and they all begin to worship it and they all begin to get drunk and party and kind of do all sorts of different things. I find it extraordinary that uh, Moses can be up on Mount Sinai with the glory of the Lord covering the mountain. You know, the, the preamble for all of that is people seeing the glory of God up there. God invited them all up onto the mountain and said, come up, come up and meet with me, you know. And they said, oh, no, don't send us. Moses, you go. You go and talk to him and we'll do whatever you say. Honest, Cubs honour. And, you know, he, uh, he goes up, but instead of following, instead of kind of rooting for him, instead of wondering what he was going to come down with, instead of they turn completely the opposite direction. How is that possible when the glory of God is just resting probably a mile or so away? They were able to turn away so dramatically and start worshipping this golden calf. I don't know the answer to that. I just are saying it. So, you know, Moses comes down. He sees what's happening. He gets cross. He breaks the tablets. And, uh, and God kind of gets a bit, is it a bit disrespectful to say he had a bit of a sulk on? But he said... Go up into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. This is Exodus 33, 1. I told them I'll give uh, this land to your sons and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. And if I did, you would surely, I would surely destroy you along the way. So kind of God is not best pleased with the people of God. And so the bit that follows is Moses' response to what has happened. Things are not looking good. You know, he'd been up, he'd paid the price, he'd fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He'd been up there and had really gone seeking the face of God, getting into his presence, and come down and, uh, and no one really wanted to hear what he had to say. And, but anyway, Moses comes and his response is, uh, starting in verse 7, it was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. And everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting outside the camp. This is Moses really setting himself to seek the face of God again. Okay, so, you know, Things happen and, and you get a setback and you think, oh, that's it, I've had enough. I don't want to do any more, you know. But he doesn't. He picks himself up, he dusts himself down. And what he does is he takes the tent of meeting and moves it outside the camp. And I, I think sometimes seeking the face of God is, is like a very intentional thing. And sometimes you've got to kind of remove yourself from the busyness, the circumstances, the pressures. There's a, you know... I, I think in, in, in modern days, some of these things, like the guys who've been to river camp and stuff, they've kind of left everything behind. They've gone off into a place where there's 5,000 or so people or David's tent or, or some of these things. And there's people uh, just... Re there were 6,000 at David's tent. So uh, we'll, we'll call it in the middle somewhere. 
Um, but, you know, it, it's coming and joining together with people who are hungry and passionate and wanting to kind of really encounter something of the more of God. And it's setting things aside. It's spending your money. It's getting in there. And it's like, and quite often something happens, doesn't it? When you go to those things, the faith, the combined faith of, of several thousand people who are very hungry and pulling on heaven just seems to create an atmosphere where stuff begins to happen. And, you know, if you've got a quiet moment, talk to Stubbsy for like a half an hour after about David's tent and if you, it'll bounce you all over the thing. But there's some amazing things going on. And it, it happens when people get together in his presence. And this is what it is, seeking the face of God. So Moses took the tent of meeting outside the camp and he set himself to seek after God. It's a deliberate, intentional act. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand at the entrances of their own tents and they would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. And as he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And when the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their tents. My point of interest is here is that all the people saw the pillar of cloud. We are not talking about Moses seeing spiritually in his mind's eye a big angel kind of standing over in the corner. This is something that they all saw. They all saw it and they responded to it by bowing down and worshipping. It was something physical and tangible. If God did it, then where is the glory now? Why can't he do it again? And I believe he wants to. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. And I think, you know, this, uh, those of you who know me will know that this particular verse, as Moses talking face to face with God as a man speaks to his friend, is a verse that has provoked me nearly all of my life, since I became a Christian at the age of 15, some considerable years ago. Um, I, it, it's just, it's one of those things that you read and you think, that's possible. That is possible. It, it's in the book, therefore it's legal. You know, we can go for it. It's that we can talk face to face with God. And this face to face, I mean, I, it was really good that some of the songs today were focusing on the face of God. And Stubbsy sent me a scripture just before we came in about seeking the face of God. This is what God is saying at the moment. We are to seek his face. The thing that I began to discover uh, in this is that the word for face, uh, when you say seek the face of God, is the same word for presence. It's the same thing. And it's, a, it's the sort of Hebrew mindset that said, if you want to find someone, you, you kind of seek their face because when you get their face, you get the whole of them. So it means face and it means presence. And so and they're, they're kind of almost interchangeable. It's quite fun looking at some of these uh, re, you know, uh, study Bible type things where it shows you the different places that words are used and how they're kind of translated, interpreted differently in each one. Uh, but I find it's really, really kind of interesting. And face to face for me speaks of complete intimacy. It speaks of 
knowing God and being known by God. And, you know, I, I think probably all of us would feel that we know God and that we're known God by a, to a certain measure. But, you know, for me, I know there's more. I know there's more. When, when God gives you a picture like this of someone, it's kind of almost you imagine them sitting across a table, can't you, having a cup of coffee and, and just like talking one, saying something, the other one saying something. And there's an exchange of information and hearts are known. That's what it means to know God and to be known by God. It means to communicate the things that are important. It means that intimacy that you would have of exchanging information. And at the beginning of the conversation, you don't know so much. But at the end of the conversation, you know a bit more depth about the person that you're talking about. And consequently, intimacy is, is released. That is what was happening. And that can happen with God. That can happen. Now, I'm really excited and, and joyful about the way that God speaks to me. Um, and, you know, I've had some very significant words over the years and it's good. It's good. But I know there's more. I know there's more. He, he's begun to speak to me through dreams and visions. I've had some extraordinary dreams, some of which I've told you, you know, about him re revealing a, a, like a clarity of revelation that we have not had before. But, you know, it, it really feels like that scripture, you know, that at the moment we kind of look through a glass as if darkly, you know. It's kind of, we see things, but we're not seeing the clarity. We're not seeing the precise kind of picture. And it, it, it's all good, and it's got us to where we are. But I believe there is a time coming where he is going to open eyes, open ears, unblock hearts, that we might see, hear, and perceive very, very clearly what the Spirit of God is saying and what the heart of the Father is. And I think when we get his heart for those around us, we won't be able to help ourselves but to really change uh, the atmosphere over our regions. You know, we just won't be able to contain ourselves from telling people about the goodness of God. Once we really know his heart, once we really know what he feels... For people we got a good idea because we've got the word we you know his heart is that none should perish and all should come to eternal life that we know that that's truth that is the gospel but when he begins to communicate the sadness of his heart and the joys of his heart and the hopes of his heart and the vision and we begin to get joined to that that is when we can fully get on board and in these dreams that i've had you know this sense of when this clarity begins to come I just get this sense of well-being coming over me. I'm thinking, finally, finally, we kind of know who we are. We know what to do. We know where to go. We know what to say. We know how to go about it. And uh, that is that intimacy uh, that is going to happen. So one day, let's go back to the story a minute, and then I'll, I'll come back to the seeking the face of God in a minute. Um, one day Moses said uh, to the Lord, you've been telling me take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. He has actually. He said he'd send an angel with him. Uh, you have told me. I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it's true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully. This is exactly what I'm just talking about. Knowing the heart of God, you know, to understand him more fully that I might continue to enjoy your favor. 
and remember that this nation is your very own people. And the Lord replied, I, I just love this. This is Moses kind of having to negotiate with God, isn't it? It's like God started off from the point, I ain't going. <laughs> you go. I'll send you an angel. You'll be all right. You'll get by. But Moses has, has said, no, you've said you know me by name. You said that I'm special to you. You said, you've, you said, you said, you said. And he begins to remind God of the promises. He begins to remind God that Israel is his people. And he changes the mind of God. That is like, that's awesome, isn't it? That's, a, that's an awesome privilege that we have, that in our intimacy with God, as we begin to become known by God and we begin to know God and we have that level of intimacy, that we can actually change his mind. We can actually persuade him to act differently. I think it's pretty cool. And the Lord replies, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. This is this kind of sense of well-being that I was feeling in my dream, you know, because when the presence of God goes with us, when his presence turns up, when we become so confident that he is here, his presence is with us, there's that, ah, we can rest. Dad's here. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. It doesn't matter what happens. Dad's here. It's going to be okay. I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. And then Moses, quick to reinforce the situation, comes back with a, well, if you don't personally go with us, then please don't make us leave this place. He kind of wants to just nail it down and make sure that God's not just kind of saying something to get him to finish the session for the day. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. It's the presence of God in our midst, in that we are filled with, that sets us apart from everyone else, that makes us different. That's the thing. You know, that we, we can do all manner of, uh, of great uh, acts of kindness and all of these sort of things, and, it, and it's good, and that's what we're called to do. That's what the Bible tells us to do. But every, there's a lot of people doing it. There's some incredibly kind people in the world, but they don't know the Father. And it's the presence of God within us that set, we are in relationship with the Father. We carry his presence. We experience his presence around us. Stuff happens around us. People get healed. Finances get met. You know, these things happen because the presence of God is with, with us. And that's what sets us apart from the rest of the world. The rest of the world can only move with the abilities and the energy that they've got. We have a secret weapon. It's him. It's his presence with us. It's that favor that comes upon us. Whoosh. The Lord replied to Moses, Okay, Moses, stop going on. I will indeed do... That's my paraphrase there, Manueller. I'm glad you appreciated it. I will indeed do what you have asked for. I look favorably upon you. I know you by name. Moses is still not happy, Okay. And he says, okay then, show me your glory. Show me your glorious presence. 
Now, this is where I kind of sit up and think, you know, here's Moses. He's met God in the burning bush. He's gone and released Israel from Egypt. There's been miracles. There's been partings of the Red Sea. There's been water from the rock. There's been pillars of fire, pillars of cloud. There's been meeting God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he says, show me your glory. What has he been looking at all of this time? You know, any one of those things, I would be thinking, oh, my goodness, this is like getting in the presence of God. Because there's more. That's the thing. I think one of the things where the enemy tries to kind of keep us ineffective is to make us settle. And we think, oh, it's okay, I, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1975. And, you know, I have the Spirit of God living within me when, you know, and we do. He is always with us. He is always with us. I will never leave nor forsake you, the Bible says. His presence remains with us. But... If Moses, after all of that, can come and say, there's more. Show me your glory, Lord. Show me your glory. Show me your glorious presence. Uh, then it must be permissible. And I think even in the Acts of the Apostles, when you look at the filling of the Holy Spirit, they kept coming back and they said, more. Fill us again. Fill us with boldness. Fill us with courage. Fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit. And he kept coming and filling them again. And the Lord replies, I'll make all my goodness pass before you and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you and I will show mercy to anyone I choose and I'll show compassion to anyone I choose. And he does. He makes his, his glory go past. So let's just finish up on this seeking his face. So as I, as I said before, um, face and presence are the same word. It's the same thing. And, it, and people when they heard seek the face of God, would have understood seek the presence of God. That expression, you do a little search for it, I tell you, it comes up so many times in the Old Testament and a couple of times in the New Testament as well. Um, seek the Lord and his strength. You know, 1 Chronicles 16, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvellous works which he has done his wonders and judgments out of his mouth. O seed of Israel, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Psalm 105, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. Psalm 27, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, God said to the psalmist, my heart said, your face I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. We are designed to be people who pursue God, who go after him, who go after them all. There is something about the, the saying, it's not enough. It's not enough. There's more. I can know God better. When we read these stories, we should allow them to provoke our heart and say, there is more than I have experienced. I've experienced some good things, really good things. I experienced the presence of God, but I know there's more. No, there's more. I'm just going to finish with one testimony, which was why I believe that God provokes us to seek after him. Um, right back in the 90s, when some kind of exciting stuff was going on uh, around the Father's Blessing coming out of Toronto, uh, we, we were 
you know, we weren't on in the forefront of all of that stuff. We we were kind of on the fringes, if you like. But there was a couple of times, kind of probably not long after the church started, maybe 96, 97, something like that. And uh, we would gather together in our homes and we would begin to pray and worship. And his presence would start coming in a, in a physical way. We'd begin to feel it on our faces and, our, and stuff would happen. And, and people would get encounters and would meet with God in different ways different you know no one was the same no one every every single person met God in a in a different way but a lot of people met God and we got very excited very excited it was like I'd spent like 30 odd years being a Christian and not really feeling a thing it was just like going completely on belief and it's good it's good you know I'm not I'm not against that I did it I believed it you know, God drew me in and I put my faith in him. I, I prayed, became a Christian, and I, and I followed him through that time. But I didn't really feel anything. So to begin to feel the presence of God coming around, it was very, very exciting. And we would, like, get around each other's houses. We'd go on the phone and say, hey, come over here. Let's have a session. Come in and let's, he's here. He's here. Come and, come and experience the the presence and the goodness of God and people would come around and we'd pray and they would experience the, the presence of God and, you know, there'd be some things, there'd be a little bit of falling over, there'd be a little bit of laughing, there'd be some f- physically feeling his, his presence and all of that and it was very encouraging and from someone who's like very engineering minded, okay, you know, one minute it was not like this, the next minute it was like this, there was a difference, it wasn't just kind of people making it up and stuff. Anyway, I remember one night we invited some friends round and said, come round, let's pray, his presence is here, the spirit has come, and so he has, Um, and all of this stuff. And they came round and we prayed, and nothing. Nothing happened. We didn't feel anything at all. And we thought, oh my goodness, what have we done? It's like something, have we offended him? Have we... Have we done something wrong? Have we moved in a wrong direction or something? And oh, we, were so, we were troubled, I tell you, having been in that place and then suddenly to kind of feel this emptiness. Anyway, we went away f- for the weekend uh, to our dear friends up in Wiltshire, Andy and Philippa, and I, d- I don't know how it came about, but I was out with Andy and we were moving some chairs around from one church to another or something, and Heather was back with Philippa at the thing. And all of a sudden, as I was moving these chairs about, I suddenly remembered this scripture from Song of Songs. Uh, and it's this, this verse here where, Song of Songs 5, verse 2. It says, I slept, but my heart was awake. A sound, my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is wet with dew, my locks with the drops of night. I had put off my, young, my garment How could I put it on? I had bathed my feet. How could I soil them? My beloved put his hand to the latch and my heart was thrilled within me. I arose to open to my beloved. My hands dripped with myrrh and my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned and gone and my soul failed within me when he spoke. I sought him. But I found him not. I called him, but he gave no answer. And, you know, when, when, we, when I read this, I mean, it, it's like awful, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, 
you know, the, the beloved is in bed. She's gone to bed. She's kind of done her hair. She's done, got a, taken her makeup off and all of that stuff. And the beloved comes to the door and says, hey, come on, let's, let's, um, let's talk. And um, <laughs> that's the PG version. <laughs> and... Um, <coughs> And, and she's saying, oh, I, I don't really want to get up, I, I, you know. And, uh, and, but then eventually he kind of gets out of bed, goes to the door, opens it, and he's gone. And it's that feeling that it described. It suddenly illuminated something in our hearts that, oh, my goodness, that it, this, our beloved is what we want more than anything. More than anything. And that feeling that he'd gone, he'd moved on. And, of course, the, you read through Song of Songs. She goes out onto the street. She goes through all sorts of things to try and find her beloved. And eventually she does kind of meet up with him and stuff. And they, they are, they're united. But, you know, it, it suddenly... I, I phoned up Heather from where we were. And she'd had exactly the same thing at the same time. She'd had the same bit of revelation where she was with Philippa. And we kind of said... This is what's happened. God wants us to seek after him. He wants us to go after him. And it, and it puts something on the inside of me that said, man, I've got, I, I am designed to live in his presence. I am designed to experience intimacy with God the Father, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus. I am designed to know them and to be known by them. And I need to go after them. And sometimes, just sometimes, he withdraws his presence, to make us kind of go after him. And I, I feel like we are in a season right now where God wants us to seek his face, seek his presence. You know, we're coming up to a week this week, Kingdom Life School. I love it every year. It's hard work. It's, it's exhausting. But, uh, you know, it is a time where we come together day after day after day, five days solid we worship, we get in his presence, we, we expect to encounter the tangible presence of God. And I, it, it's just fantastic. I feel today we're kind of pushing out the, the thing and saying, look, we need to encounter the presence of God. Every one of you is facing some kind of situation for which we need the supernatural power of God to be released. And we need to seek after him. We need to come after him. We need to come and say, Father, we can't manage without you come show us your glory show us your glory release your tangible presence amongst us you know i think a little while ago when catch the fire came do you remember the guys and we were praying in there and i came in to pray with them and literally i couldn't see across the room it was i i saw and it was an odd kind of circumstance but i saw a cloud in the room as they were praying and as I looked out I could see a cloud across I mean no one else could see that and I think it was God stirring my heart to say look come on this is where we've got to go this is where we've got to move seek me seek me and go after me for the sake of his name and for the sake of our area for the sake of our nation the <laughs> I forgot this one but yeah maybe we'll finish with this let's let's just stand a minute and I you know, I, I was thinking about the priestly blessing that, that God gave uh, to Aaron. Uh, and I'll just read this out. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron, Aaron and his sons, Aaron, <laughs> uh, Aaron and his sons saying this, thus shall you bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord 
make his face to shine upon you. Now we understand what his face means. That's that same word. Make his face to shine upon you. Make his presence to shine upon you. So I I just want to bless you right now. The Lord bless you, keep you, protect you. Make his presence shine upon you, glisten. May you go out from this place glistening with the presence of God, that when people meet you, they know there is something different. Make his face shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. That's his face again. And give you peace. As the face of God, as the presence of God comes upon you, may there be peace upon every heart in this place. No matter what you're facing, whatever you're going through, let the peace of God that passes all understanding rest upon you as his presence comes upon you. So they shall put the name, my name, upon the people of Israel. That will distinguish them from the rest of the world. We are carrying the presence of God and I bless you to receive it. And I think, I I honestly encourage you, if you can get along to any of these evening sessions this week, if you can sign up, come on in. If you can take some time off, come and press in with us for a week and let's really just get into the presence of God. Really see his glory come in Jesus' name. Amen. While you're just standing there for a moment, there is, there, is a, there is a weight of the spirit in the room. And we have got other things to go on to and collect children and so on. But I, I don't want us just to rush. It's two particular things I just want to give a moment to. As Phil shared the words of the Song of Songs about that awful ache in the heart that there can be when you know you've had something or you've missed an opportunity and he seems lost from you. If you're missing the presence of God, if you know that in some way you've hosted it in a more powerful way in the past than you currently are. This is a moment of repentance for you. And you don't have to beat yourself up or come forward or anything. But this can be a moment of saying, I'm going to do something else from this point on I'm going to seek your face I'm going to get up from where I am and I am going to find you I'm going to find out where your presence is and I am going there until I lay hold of you give you a moment to just make a a decision like that And then also I think there's one or some who have really been desiring wisdom for development in some area of your life, maybe work, maybe in relationships. And you thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek out some experts to help me.
And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But the Father is saying, would you seek out my presence, my kabod? And then everything you need will be available. Like Obed-Edom, where the blessing came on the whole of his life, his household, because of the presence, not because of worldly wisdom. We should get training, don't get me wrong, but I just sense the father's heart slightly wounded because... We haven't realized that if we have him, we have everything. And it may be right still to access that practical training. But let us first and foremost say, let your face shine upon us, God. Well, what else will distinguish us? We'll only just be like everybody else otherwise. <laughs> well, what else will distinguish us other than your glory, your presence, your supernatural spirit? Probably most people here have experienced the infilling of the Spirit. But if you have never experienced that, you can do that today. We have a little ring of chairs on the right-hand side over near the PA desk. And as we dismiss, just make your way there. And someone from the ministry team or from the KLS team will be happy to come over and pray with you and you will receive the Spirit. Or if it's just so long that you feel estranged from him and you want to reconnect, you can make that choice as well and go to that space. Amen. So I want to invite Phil Game up and Bryony up. Phil, would you like to go first? This will only take a moment, but it is an important announcement.